Hello, and welcome to an intro to Anthro with Two Humans. I'm human number one, John McRae. And I'm human number two, John Lear. And this is the podcast where we reassess what it means to be human. And the title of this episode is, Why Can't We Be Friends? The Changing Face of Friendship. Or, Don't Banshee Me, Bro. <laughs> so, <laughs> so... God, I love so your John, titles. <laughs> so, John, I'm not sure if you have you seen the film "The Banshees of Inisherin" by Martin you, McDonough. Uh, you assigned me to do it, and yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I didn't do it. I didn't okay. watch it, and I had every reason to do it. You asked me to. Uh, you're a good friend. I should have. I told yeah. you I was gonna do it, and yet I failed you. I've been doing a lot that, of things have been slipping through my life lately. I'm going to be honest really? with you and the audience. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, very busy. Busy. Yeah. I mean, busy and yeah. just, yeah, there's a lot. My life is very full. I don't want to go into it. We don't like to get personal yeah. here. This is about information and education. We'll put it on the page. You can just tell everybody. You can tell everybody on the, the page. Yeah, that, I'll, that, I'll what, dump it all there. On. Yeah. Yeah. But I know enough it about out. it. I know enough about the uh, the movie. I think to participate here. Okay. And I apologize. Well, I, I apologize to you, as my friend <laughs> and my co co partner on this. And I apologize to the audience. Okay. And I well, will make I it up to all of you. And I, well, I guess I'll just. I think a lot of people have seen the movie. And really, and honestly, are you sure about that? <laughs> I think it was on, nominated for an Oscar, right? Yeah. So, and, and I say again, really. Well, I mean, I you know, you and about, I, you know, I, I, yeah. anyway. But but people, somebody had sold this movie to me as being a comedy. Okay. Somebody really? had said, yeah, they said, well, it's about two old friends and they, they have a falling out and they're not going to be friends anymore, you know. And they and they said, well, it's really funny. And, and so I'm thinking like old friends falling out. I'm thinking like Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon, <laughs> grumpy old men. You know, or maybe the odd couple. And uh, it's I so, peed next I, to Jack Lemon, by the way, one time in a public you? bathroom. Yes, I did. Where, like, not at a park, I hope, or something. No, it was at a, a, a theater, and I was yeah. peeing next to him in a park. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was later in his life, and uh, he yeah. he was definitely having some prostate trouble. There was uh, he really? was having yeah. There were a lot of starts and stops. Did you so that, lean over and I appreciate no, you. I'm no. a big fan. I thought you were going to say, did I lean over to look? No, I didn't. No, and no. I, I didn't say anything and I didn't look and I didn't look really, but a lot of, I could hear. And there was a lot of, yeah. it, it's not pretty what happens to us later in life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, back to the Banshees of Inner Sharon. Uh, so, yeah. Well, definitely, it's not. This wasn't Jack Lemmon. I'll say that. I mean, it's it's a story about two two old friends, uh, who's uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell. They live on an Ire- uh, an island in Ireland or off the coast of Ireland back in the twenties. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day, one of the friends decides he doesn't want to be friends anymore, and. He doesn't say why. He doesn't say anything. He just wait a minute. Is this all? Is this whole podcast just for you to tell me that we're not going to be friends anymore? <laughs> is that what this is all about? Well, I, I was hoping you'd wait till the end. I thought oh, we'd still get an episode Jesus. out of it. But... Is this our last podcast? <laughs> this may be. Well, let's oh see. God. We'll see how you react. I mean, what, okay. what we 
what, what we come to at the end of this. I'm starting um, to get pissed. I'm going to tell you that. Really? Much. A little really? bit. A little bit. Well, this seems a little passive aggressive way of ending our friendship, which is pissing me off enough to end our friendship. You sly dog. Really? Look how you're doing <laughs> you it. Jumped ahead. You're the one that's ending it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Now I could be now I could be the victim. Now I could like why did he break up with me? So uh but anyway, but after I just want to say this film takes a dark turn. Okay. So I, I was like it, it goes it goes really violent. Like I can't imagine Jack Lemon ever like cutting off his fingers, <laughs> for Jesus. example, in one of their movies. Like, you know, Oscar Madison doesn't clean up after the poker game. So Felix cuts off his fingers, you know, I'm going to cut off one finger forever. Um, And so then I started thinking that, well, maybe this was a metaphor for something. You know, maybe it was a metaphor for the Irish Civil War back in the 20s. And the reason I say it's a metaphor is um, anytime I can't understand something, I say it's a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very human thing. That's a very yeah. human thing to do because we right. look for patterns. I mean, that's, that's, that's basically, uh, it will separates yeah. us from everybody else. All the other animals, we can sort of see these patterns and it protects us. Right. Right. And you're metaphor seeing, and when, just, you, when you can't see a pattern, you just dump it in the metaphor bin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just, <laughs> it's just for my ego. And I thought, well, maybe it represents, you know, like the, uh, the Irish Civil War, where it was two groups that used to get along, and then now they don't get along, and they hate each mm-hmm. other, and they're destroying mm-hmm. each other. And, and since then, I've read reviews by Irish film critics who say, no, <laughs> that's not, it's not a metaphor for the Irish Civil War. Irish Civil War was more complicated than that. And they think that uh, Martin McDonough just threw that kind of metaphor on there uh, to make the film seem deeper than it actually was. <laughs> the Irish... Film critics have been kind of, they're a little more discerning about this film than other film critics. Um, So then I thought, well, myself, I'm like, well, maybe I'm going to keep on. I still don't understand it. So I'm going to keep on with the metaphor. You think, well, maybe it's a metaphor just for the world today where groups used to get along, like conservatives, liberals, you know, they hate each other. And for now, it's like everybody's destroying each other because we can't Mm -hmm. get over this hatred. Um. But I will say one thing about this film is it got people talking and thinking about friendship yes. in general. And, uh, for example, the journalist Andrew Anthony wrote an article for The Guardian where he used the Banshees of Inisherin to talk specifically about male friendship. Oh, boy. And <laughs> what Anthony Here said it comes. was, he said, even though studies have shown that having good friends increases Uh, our life expectancy, and our mental health. Uh, Most men over the age of 40 don't have any really close friends. I I thought that this is where you were going because I think people, uh, you know, tuning into this podcast might think, what does this have to do with anthropology? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, what does friendship uh, have to do with that? I mean, of course, uh, it's it's connected to our life expectancy, right? There's a... uh, and it's true. I think men our age do not have many friends of at all. I, I know right. a lot of people. We're very isolated, uh, right? And and I and, and I guess that's because you kind of get you're focused on uh, your, you. Maybe you have kids or or work, and uh, but I yeah. think it's also yeah. just it, it requires a lot of attention. And um, yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, it's funny. I'm in a play right now uh, about yeah. two friends who are old friends, and they yeah. they fall. The friendship falls apart. It's called Speed Bump. It's written really? oh, okay. uh, by Jay Martell, a friend of ours. Yeah, I'm doing <laughs> you a have little. Any dates on that? <laughs> yes, no, but you can go to speedbumptheplay.com and find you, out about. You know, but this it is, is your, interesting. This is your <laughs> own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> this is your own podcast. You're plugging your own show I'm on your own I'm podcast. My own show on my own podcast. But it's relevant. It is relevant yeah. because it's about these two neighbors who live on the same street, yeah. and one has kids, one doesn't. The one with kids decides to put a, a speed bump in the middle of the street. He wants to put a speed right. bump in the middle of the street. And because of that, their friendship just totally falls apart. Really? Yeah. Really? Which one and do you play? Do you play that? I play the one who doesn't want the speed bump. Really? Okay. Yes. The one who doesn't have kids. Don't it's give us any spoilers. Don't give us any I spoilers. Won't. I won't. But did did you did you come to any conclusions about friendship on that? Or no, not I mean, not really. But he really does talk about the the playwright. Really does talk about the fact that men our age just we no yeah. matter which route <clears throat> you choose, kids or no kids, uh, you you're kind of all alone. You know, yeah. And, and sometimes yeah. the sometimes the loneliest place to be is in a marriage. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, even though there's people around and you saw that during the pandemic, you had people who had nobody around were lonely and people who had a full house were kind of felt isolated too. It was very strange. Right. Right. And you know, Anthony, uh, in, in that article, he actually talks about that. He says, um, for straight men, usually they're socializing as they get older, their socializing is actually done through their partners, through their Mm -hmm. spouse. So like their Mm -hmm. spouse is the one that organizes, all of their events or they're going out with a spouse and her friend and her Mm -hmm. friend's husband or something like that. So um, I guess just so it (laughs) is going to get worse for us, I guess. (laughs) Oh God. Uh, You're really the only friend. I mean, I'm trying to think of the close friends I have and you're one of the only ones I have, you know, I do have other friends. There's no question, but I could count them on one hand. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I mean, it does. I think you, the, it, like you mentioned, it gets to be where it's work or something. You, you, it's yeah, your work friends and. Well, with you, um, I know that even if we don't talk for a long time, it's we can pick up right where we left. I mean, we've known each other right. so long. No, we've known each other right. so goddamn <laughs> long forty-three years. Well, it That's was a good ridiculous. run. It was after oh, this podcast. Jesus, <laughs> seriously? God damn it! No, no. What did I do? No, we almost we'll, we'll, we we've gotten close a couple of times. There was that time in couple, France, yeah. where we were, you know, but it didn't. I don't know. I never felt like I never it. felt. We, yeah, we were just pissed at each other. <clears throat> but we had which every to right me to that's be. all you got. Your feel behavior it. was outrageous. <laughs> My behavior. No. <laughs> <So>. You uh, <laughs> and then just to cut to us again, smiling and talking. <laughs> so, uh, so recently, also a French philosopher, Geoffroy de La Gaznerie, uh, oh wrote God. a book. I love it when you speak the French. <laughs> God, it's good. De La Gaznerie wrote a book, and he's a French philosopher. He wrote a book, and it, what he calls the radical idea that people should organize their societies around friend relationships rather than family relationships. Hmm. And and what. De La Gaznerie says is basically our society prioritizes family and romantic relationships. Um, 
however, like the old saying goes, you know, you, you could choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Right. And so what he's saying is that, um, you know, friendships <clears throat> are often more rewarding and supportive than family relationships. Oh, for that no reason. question. I mean, that's <laughs> no question. Yeah. There, there yeah. is zero. I mean, would you rather go out on a, on a vacation with your friends or would you rather go with your family? Right. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. And my that, family, and my kids and, and my wife, we don't go on full family vacations anymore. Never. Because it was just, they were all a shit show. And we, and the four of us had a come to Jesus moment where we were like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And so now what well, we do is we each, I'll go on a, a trip with Jennifer. I'll go on a trip with Jules. I'll go on a trip with Hudson. So we just yeah. have more shorter trips and they're fucking, they're great. Yeah. It, it's the smartest. Do they ever go on to, do the kids ever go on trips by themselves without you no. guys? Huh? <laughs> no, they should. <laughs> they yeah. like each other. Yeah, uh, I, no, they but, yet. but I think you guys have, have kind of <laughs> come to what takes most people decades to realize <laughs> about their family. You guys realize we're right from the beginning. Like, we're not even going to pretend. Oh, here. Let's... I mean, you're trying to find something that everybody wants to do and the food. Yeah. And the, oh, my God. And the driving in the car. We were just like, forget it. Yeah. Forget it. <laughs> so uh, the other thing he, he says is it, it's interesting that, you know, uh, People often feel compelled to stay in family relationships or to stay <laughs> stay in uh, romantic relationships yeah. that are toxic. Yeah. When, uh, like a friend relationship, like if a friend was making you mad, it'd be like, okay, that's it. <laughs> We're not friends anymore. You know, you wouldn't feel obligated to stay in that relationship. Right. Well, yeah. I guess I've gotten better at that. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I do agree. I agree. Um. And then but in, what would that look be, like? I mean, what was his, I mean, you structure the entire society around, what does that mean? Like we, where do we live? Where do, who do we hang out with? Like, what do we do? Yeah. He, so we'd live with our about, friends. Like he's, well, yeah, he's, he talks about that. He's uh, created a friendship with like three friends. Right. And, and they talk to each other all the time. Okay. And so it becomes like, it, they're the supportive uh, nucleus that he needs. In his life. It sounds like so he just doesn't get along with his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. He's uh, like playing he, poker also, every night. He also makes, at the end of the article, he makes a good point. He's like, wouldn't it be nice if you could call in sick to work and say, like, I'm not coming in today. I had to stay up late with my friends, you know, instead of like, so I don't know. Maybe it's just another way to get out of work. But Jesus, but he was, but I, I mean, come on. <laughs> But I loved it. I was like, yeah, you call instead of like family leave, you would have like, well, I have to take, you know, my friend, friend is feeling is like, he's feeling down. I got to take off the and go see my friends just don't want to work. They just don't want to work at all. And and you know what? Who can blame them? Yeah, really? Who does? Who does? Who does? Uh, finally, there was a, an article on, on BBC by Jessica Klein and Casey Nonix. And they were writing about how during COVID, how antisocial people became during COVID. Mm -hmm. And their point was, you know, usually for young people, school and work are the places that you develop friendships. Mm -hmm. And but during COVID, you know, we were all working remotely. So people weren't going in. Young people weren't going into schools. They weren't going in, you know, to work or whatever. Yeah. And and. Klein and Nonix, they have a really good quote by Jessica McCabe, who's a sociology professor. And McCabe says, 
that we see ourselves through our friends. So we see and figure out the kind of person we are through thinking about and talking about our friends. <laughs> so, so the point being of like, well, if, if we don't go into school to, you know, it kind of has an effect on our development itself. Yes, I mean. for sure. I mean, I, in Kansas growing up, you know, the two of us when two other friends, Jeff and Frank, yeah. uh, the four of us, uh, spent a lot of time together. And you know what? All four of us left Kansas, yeah. uh, which was, yeah. uh, and our, and our, and the rest of our friends in high school did not really, for the most part, most of them are still in Kansas. Right. And right. I have always thought about that. Like if the four of us hadn't met each other, you know, yeah. where would we be right now? Cause, yeah. we, cause if, I think each of us kind of uh, supported the other in our very un-Kansas like pursuits. I mean, you were right. studying French. Frank was studying yeah. classical guitar. I wanted to be an yeah. actor. The I, Jeff was, uh, uh, you know, uh, an artist. An like, artist. These are yeah. not uh, things that you pursued in, right. in Kansas when we in the eighties when we were coming up at all. Yeah, and and I think you know it's that's going to be like looking. I mean, it's still so soon after COVID and the lockdown, but to see how people develop themselves not just the relationship it's friendships but to see how the effect of going by zoom because i'll tell you there are people i know at work who i talk to them every day i i consider them my friends but i've never met them face to face for example i know i know it's such a trip it's such a trip when you meet them yeah uh you know face to face and you're and you realize holy crap we know so much about each other and we've never even (laughs) shaken hands it's yeah you have to approach them you have to approach them i mean for me at cubicles and stuff you have to approach them of like i'm sorry who are you you know and then you hear their (laughs) voice and you're like okay all right it's so weird yeah so anyway i thought today we would we would talk about friendship and why humans develop the need for friendship. Yes. And, and then also we could take a look at how friendship itself has changed uh, through time, through history, for example. Love that. Love and it. I'm fascinated. Hopefully, hopefully we'll come away with a better understanding and uh, hopefully we won't get banshee. Is that a threat? <laughs> a, Is that a threat? Are you saying no, like I've no. got a... Jesus. Well, let's, I feel like I'm let's auditioning. See yeah, let's see how this years. goes. Don't I? I have something in the bank, right? <laughs> God damn! High let's pressure. see how this episode goes. Yeah, I, you're I have the only a, one I, I got have. left. <laughs> I'll be giving you a thumbs up or a thumbs down as we go. Soon we'll have AI friends, and then we'll be fine. You know? <laughs> yeah, we won't even talk to each other. Yeah. Just send me a report, a text we'll... telling me how <laughs> what good friends I am with you. <laughs> what you sent me for Christmas, my AI avatar for christmas yeah uh so i guess to start at the beginning uh why did humans develop friendships and i know in prior episodes we've talked about evolution Mm -hmm. and about how traits that by chance give us an advantage in certain environments increase our chances of survival and then we pass those traits on to our offspring uh so the question is what advantage did survival uh what advantage for survival did having friends give us mm-hmm. and and the thing is when when you think about evolution and primates i mean we don't have any existing prehistoric hominins to look at right now 
So what we have to do is to study it, we look at apes and uh, chimpanzees, for example, to, to see how, how their relationships are. Yeah, and it's the closest kind of we it, can get. Right, exactly. And in her book, Sex and Friendship and Baboons. Oh uh, my Barbara God, Bo- <laughs> what a title. <laughs> what a yeah, title. Is, Sex and Friendship Barbara- and Boobs? No, <laughs> no. Baboons. <laughs> Baboons. Believe me, I was traveling and I had this one in my bag and I'm like, I can't take this out in the plane. I can't take this out and read it in the plane. Somebody would, there's no way, that would be uncomfortable. Uh, but anyway, in Sex and Friendship and Baboons, Barbara Boardman Smuts uh, says that the adaptive value of friendships, at least for baboons, comes down to two things. And that's maternal care and predator avoidance. Mm, okay. And so based on her observations of baboons, she says that friendships benefit infants in, in a number of different ways. First of all, protection from harassment from other troop members, <laughs> because I guess in a baboon troop, there's always some, some jerk who's always out harassing everybody. Uh, <laughs> protection of infants from predators, uh, increased foraging efficiency, meaning if we're all in a group, we can probably find food better, you know, for all okay. of us. And then there's also the potential for alternative caregiving if the mother of the infant dies or neglects the infant. So in other words, other members of the groups, friends of the mother will take over and and take care of the infant. Which, Um, you know, is still, you know, the godfather, the whole godparents. Uh, I mean, isn't that the whole, yeah, that's just, yeah. Sorry, just killed a mosquito. Apologize for the sound there <laughs> you said LA like ruined la la has yeah. been ruined la was always the great thing about it was that there were no bugs no mosquitoes and these little pesky mosquitoes have infiltrated la and it's all over Ooh, ooh! it was the and only they get thing that kept house. la good do you yeah, have screens on your windows yeah but they're little tiny they can't i don't know yeah it's ruined everything yeah. uh so anyway, Lind- Lydia Dinworth in her book, Friendship, actually sums it up by saying uh, that for our ancestors, living in groups reduced the risk of being attacked and it increased mm. our odds of finding food. Makes so sense. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so again- A little help from your friends. You need, you need right. to kill a woolly mammoth? <laughs> Who are you going to yeah. go to? Right. Know. Exactly. You got to, hey, hey, man. Come with me. I got to show you something. Come on. Look at that thing out there. You really tell how long you could eat? Yeah. So uh, Dinworth, actually, in her book, it's really has a couple. It has a lot of good information. But but she said also that uh, studies have found that people with at least one friend are less likely to get victimized or bullied. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting to me. God, so that means there are people with no friends. Right, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and and I don't know, I, you know, I don't know if having a friend, if it's a protection sort of thing for, against being victimized or bullied, or if it's just a, a psychological outlet of like, you know, somebody that you can talk to that you're not alone, I guess. Is, yeah. It's kind of, um, yeah. she also mentions that sixth graders with no friends have been found to be at more at risk with anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem. 
Duh. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. No friends. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh. And and I don't know. To me, that would maybe be also being on Zoom, for example. Like if you only went into the classroom like once every week or something for a couple right. of hours, maybe right. it would be harder to make friendships. So you would feel so much if you were in sixth grade or something, you'd feel so much more alone. Mm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, I don't, I mean, don't you think that's what AI and robots is going to, are going to do for people? I mean, they're going to give companionship uh, to people who, you know, yeah. don't, yeah. don't have any. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, either people who are just lonely older in life or people who, for whatever reason, antisocial behavior or yeah. uh, mental illness or just whatever, not not a low social IQ, as they say, will right. just be able to have a robot walking around being nice to you. Yeah. I don't know. We'll I wouldn't have to that. see. I love that. I love that. <laughs> just- because I have my dog. your shoulders or something. There. Yeah, I have my dog, but the dog <laughs> never says anything. I know she loves yeah. me, but Jesus. Yeah, the robot doesn't have to sleep either. The robot can no! be like, Oh, <laughs> I love it. Hey, what's going on? Nothing, yeah. John. How are you? I'm fine. <laughs> I feel like I would adapt to that very quickly. Well, that's hey, something you want to play cribbage? No. <laughs> what do you mean? Then the AI stops, starts being like... Wait, wait, you wait see the minute. wheel going. You see the yeah. wheel going as it's recalculating where what you uh, like and what you don't like. On second thought, I do want to play cribbage. <laughs> I love cribbage. <laughs> um, so it seems that living in groups gave an advantage to our prehistoric ancestors. Okay. Uh, but as everybody who, like you said, on, on trips with your family or going home for Thanksgiving or something, you know that being in a group. Uh, has a lot of stress. That's um, the problem. As people get to know each other, yeah. they also figure out the things that push their buttons the most. Right. So the cl- right. more intimate you get, the more ammo you have to hurt the other person. Right. That's the right. that's the trade-off. It <clears throat> sucks. <laughs> so, so there's something... Like I could in- say three things right now that would destroy you. I know you so well. <laughs> I don't know. I probably know him already, you know. It'd be yeah, like, I'd right. agree with you. You'd be like, like my yeah, personality, I'd agree with you. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so true. Don't leave yeah. me alone, please. <laughs> I'll play cribbage. I'll play cribbage if you want. <sighs> um, but in evolutionary psychology, there's something called the social brain hypothesis. Hmm. And what the social brain hypothesis argues is that our brains became larger to deal with these more complicated social and collaborative relationships that we had or that our ancestors had. I I buy into that theory. I'm (laughs) right there. And I like that one. Yeah. So there's so complex. That's kind of what I'm talking about. The trade-off, you know, yeah, you get better for, yeah, they're going to take your, your young one. If something happens to you or whatever, and they're going to help you kill the woolly mammoth. But the trade-off is, oh my God, the oh, complexity yeah. of getting along with all of these weirdos in your tribe. Oh, yeah, yeah. this one doesn't like the spear. This one wants to be over here. This one needs to be in charge. This one is, you know, ugh, can we just go kill the woolly mammoth? Yeah. 
And and that's essentially it. That's a social brain hypothesis. It's like, what is the trade-off? You just said it of like, what's the trade-off? Yeah, we have these benefits of working in a group, but how do we how do we deal with it? It's so stressful. We hate it. We hate it. We hate it being in a group. And look where it's and, gotten us. I mean, we're destroying the entire world over all of the stuff we have to create in order to survive together as a group. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And it's 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 interesting that the social brain hypothesis, it came out initially to try to explain the correlation between in primates and that what they found is that usually the bigger the brain a primate has, the larger the social group that it exists in. So there's Makes a correlation sense. between brain mm-hmm. size and, and who's got and, the biggest brain chimpanzees. Like who's the, who's the, uh, I you think know? it's us. I mean, because it's I know, relative, I mean, relative I, I mean, side. I, without us, as us aside, I mean, which one of the, uh, the primates has the biggest one. I don't know. I think it's chimpanzees or it's bonobos. 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 God, those those bonobos. Jeez. <laughs> Everyone forgets about the bonobo. Those are serious. I love the bonobos. Yeah. Me too. You've turned me on to the bonobos. <laughs> we'll have to do one about the bonobos sometime. Yeah, we it should. Gets cool. a little racy, you know. They're a little <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it, but it is interesting that the the frontal lobe of our brains uh, were the most recently enlarged portion of, of human brains. So the How other portions, that? That grew, well, you could just look at like the brain cases, the size of a brain case and tell mm. when the, the frontal lobe got larger. Weird. And, and the, the importance of that is that the frontal lobe is actually the part of the brain that controls reasoning, self-control, learning, voluntary muscle movement, and social understanding. Yes. So, <clears throat> And so again, that gets flooded with cortisol. Forget about <laughs> it. You know, that's where you have yeah. the tantrums and all that mm. stuff. People yeah. just freak or, out and get upset, say shit they shouldn't say. Oh, mm. exactly. Or people have like a brain injury to the, the frontal lobe and suddenly it's like very hard to, you know, say inappropriate, they say inappropriate things or maybe they're mm. having trouble like lashing out, like you were saying. But so. isn't that where they hmm. did the lobotomies in the frontal lobe? Hmm. Like you'd stick the yeah. ice pick up in there and spin it around. Right. And again, it was trying to control people's uh, social behavior. Okay. So they take- were antisocial. So you just kind of take the whole thing out there, hoping that it'll be, you'll be mellower, get along better. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Um, so anyway, now that we've got a little background on the you know on friendship as from an evolutionary standpoint we could take a look at like what have humans done with that though over you know Mm -hmm. the historic period yeah and uh in ancient greece the social world was divided into three main categories and and that was you had your circle of friends those outside your circle of friends which are your enemies yes and then those that were neither your your friends nor your enemies but the those Greek were the three division. Mm-hmm, right. Makes sense. And uh, a lot of Greek writers wrote about it. And this, for example, Pindar uh, wrote, let me be a friend to my friend, but I will be an enemy to my enemy and pounce on them like a wolf treading every crooked path. Jesus. Pindar was a badass. <laughs> oh, here comes Pindar. Be cool, yeah, be, yeah. Cool, oh, be God, cool, God, be cool, be cool. I hope he'll snap on you. <laughs> Make sure he's on the crooked path. He's on the yeah. crooked path. <laughs> uh, be cool, be cool, be cool, is... be cool. 
Lysias also wrote, I considered it ordained that one should harm one's enemies and serve one's friends. Man, so, ordained? So My yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. He's falling. Yeah, okay. But then you had uh, Hesiod, who, who just said, be friends with those who are friendly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's me. That's me. Listen, if you're nice to me, you know, it was weird. I yeah. just got back from Norway and uh, yeah. Norwegians don't look at you on the street. Okay. So you, you don't make eye contact at all. Uh, and really? and uh, yeah, there's, there, but you then go into a bar or a restaurant and they're still strangers. Right. But in yeah. there they will, I, they'll have eye contact. They'll smile. They'll, uh, you know, connect. Really? Which I find it's so interesting. Everybody yeah. talks about how New Yorkers are the worst people in the world, but you you walk in on the streets of New York and you and you make yourself available for eye contact and people will make yeah. eye contact. You know, and if yeah. you if, if, the best way to make friends in New York is to ask somebody how to get somewhere. Oh my yeah. god, they love yeah. it. New Yorkers <laughs> love that. Well, you take the A train, then one another one will stop. No, you don't. Not this time. Yeah. Not this time of yeah. day. What do you want to go over to Brooklyn? What are you talking about? And then, the, you know, and then, yeah. they'll t- you know, but it's so weird. The Norwegians and the, uh, I felt the Austrians were like that too. They were very uh, outside, very fear-based. Like you were a crazy person. Everybody was a mass murderer, but then you get inside a bar or a restaurant or whatever, a public yeah, space yeah. and it's totally different. And you're still, I wonder, I'm still could that- be a mass murderer. Do you yeah. think they were always like that, or do you think it was because of the World War II or something? From <clears throat> I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Yeah, well, you know, because that World War II. You know, I will say this about both of those countries: they have really handled the Holocaust. I was impressed. I was really, really? impressed how much they've owned yeah. it publicly, and uh, yeah. boy, it's made. And it just made me think, God how poorly we've handled slavery in this country yeah. and just how yeah. it was just embarrassing. Just like Jesus, because uh, for example, you walk around Norway, you'll see little brass tiles in, on the yeah. street. And each one of those represents a Jew that was, uh, you know, taken away or thrown out of their, their, yeah. their place, yeah. of, you know, and it had their name and the date and and it's just everywhere. Sometimes you'll see three, four, um, and in, in, uh, Austria, the same thing, there's plaques, you know, and yeah. it's just the new, and you see the result of that ownership in the new generation, in the current generation the, the, yeah. they, re, they, yes, that's our country did that. That's a result of being quote unquote, too patriotic, our, our, uh, patri, um, patriotic and being too blind to, yeah. you know, and they just own it. And it's not a, a bad thing it's just a fact you know and it's, yeah. it's amazing it's amazing just acknowledging acknowledging yeah. that we we did it and acknowledging that we won't do it again yeah sort of things so, yeah and they yeah. just can't believe that a country that uh calls itself the you know the land of the free that was built on slavery can't acknowledge yeah. that sort of yeah um you know the insanity yeah wants to legislate out the the bad feelings i guess yeah just legislate it out yeah yeah um we'll have to come back to that sometime because i'd like to talk about i'd like to talk about that more that'll get us in Um, trouble now we'll be canceled (laughs) something somebody will come after it i think we should stay away from that eventually yeah (laughs) um 
Wait, wait. So the person that everybody always comes back to, the Greek that everyone always comes back to when they talk about friendship is Aristotle. Of course. And Here Aristotle wrote a lot about friendship. Platonic. And- <laughs> Platonic yeah. friendship. Because Aristotle he's- was Plato, wasn't he? Wasn't it really yeah, Plato? I- or was that Socrates? I don't know. I, I thought know. it was What's Aristotle it? that never existed. It was really Plato who made him up. What? No, oh. no, that was uh, what, Socrates. Plato always wrote, wrote about Socrates. Socrates, right? Yeah. Um, but Aristotle actually, I think Aristotle he was, was the uh, he was the teacher of Alexander the Great. I think. If okay. I'm not mistaken, if I remember. God. Uh, but he I think came we know up who with the, the smarter person on this podcast. <laughs> there were three three types of friendship. There was advantage friendship. There was pleasure friendship, and there pleasure. was virtue friendship. Mm, to, and, to be a better person. And yeah. so, in the, yeah, in other words, he said you had useful friends, friends that, that could give you something, kind of like you. work friends or something. That's what you uh, are you had for me. Pleasant friends, like friends that you like to be around. Right, right. And then you you're had your too. good... You... <laughs> yeah. Maybe I go. You you can't. You don't have to be limited to just one. You know. You, but maybe you I'm not in the last those circles. You won't well, have you sex good... with me. Well, I mean, we're both straight, so that doesn't work. <laughs> you had uh, good. Fr- His idea was good friends. Where where mm-hmm. like you had like two virtuous people mm-hmm. who uh, who were really good friends, and that was the friendship that would give you like spiritual uh, sustenance. And, and you'd have and two of said, those? You you tried to have two? Well, usually he said you could have more, but the thing is, it usually that that virtuous friendship was between two morally good people. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So, um, and he said, well, like the other ones, like the, the you know, advantage friendship or the pleasure friendship. Yeah. You know, you can have those with bad people or people who weren't morally good, but usually right. to have that really good virtuous friendship the ideal friendship had to be between two good people well we don't and, have that you and i don't have <laughs> yeah, that I, I, know we're not. I don't know where we fit in <laughs> yeah i know i know so we have two out of three maybe we have two <laughs> maybe out of three, but, but um it was said, that's time. not bad that's not bad <laughs> yeah. two out of three ain't bad yeah, there were fewer people back then. Maybe you could mm-hmm. find more virtuous people that way. yeah that's right uh, <laughs> but he uh he said that uh a, a true friend, a good friend, is like another himself. In other mm. words, you see yourself in the other good friend. I see. And a couple other things that Aristotle talks about is uh, necessary for friendship is the reciprocity of love. In other, yeah. in other words, a friend has to love you back. Yes. See, I so, think that is our friendship. Because I think you are a very good person. I think you're very smart. I, I respect. I have respect you, and the fact that you liked yeah. me, like me, makes me feel good about me. Yeah, that's what I feel. That the guy's same really way. great, and he likes me. Yeah, so maybe you, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Aristotle, apparently he was talking about like the reciprocity of love being like, that's a reason why you can't be friends with an inanimate object. <laughs> so, mm, not true. He hasn't watched with uh, this- some of the stuff on the learning channel. <laughs> you can marry the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. You seen those, yeah. You've seen those things? I think you told can me you about be a friendship. Can you be a friend with the Eiffel Tower? I see. <laughs> it would be see. a loveless marriage. Uh, I um, see. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. 
The other yeah, thing that's... he talked about is that friendship has to involve eunoia, which is the Greek term for well-wishing, meaning you have mm. to wish well, you have to wish good things for the other person. Well, I see. Mm-hmm. And then the, the final thing he said is uh, the other party must be aware of the friendship. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so you can't. Maybe that was a problem at one time, agree, or maybe it's still a problem, but you can't yeah. call yourself a friend of somebody who doesn't know you're, you're friends with. That's it. called a stalker. That's a stalker. That's <laughs> yeah. what that is. <laughs> uh, Plutarch actually oh, wrote that. God, friend- <laughs> Plutarch. I always come back to Plutarch. Uh, yeah. Uh, he wrote that friendship is not always pleasant uh, because mm. frankness of speech is the language of friendship. And a friend is like a doctor and will at times have to hurt a friend to help him. You know what? <laughs> Fuck off, Plutarch. Because I've had friends like that where they tell me everything that they think I need to know about myself. Yeah. And you know what? I don't want to know that stuff. No. <laughs> I'll ask for it. Don't tell me. Yeah. Plutarch sounds like an a-hole, if you ask me. Oh, here well, he comes. Here is- comes Plutarch. Oh, yeah. Tell me what's wrong with me. <laughs> he's like, he's such a good thing. friend. Such a good about friend. A, a doctor is like you make an appointment to go see a doctor. A friend kind of shows up at your house yeah. or something. Hey, you know? you know what's wrong with you? No, <laughs> Plutarch. What is it? I thought we were just going to <laughs> going out to eat or something, you know? Stop. I mean, I I want to know if I have a booger in my nose. So that but that's about <laughs> as far as it goes. Yeah. Uh in, in the ancient world, another thing about friendship is that it was thought that friendship had to be between equals. So you couldn't mm-hmm. have like a like a uh, like a employer couldn't be friends with with his like servant mm. or something. You okay. know, you had to be both equals. And, and it's interesting that in the New Testament, in uh, John fifteen, Jesus actually says, "No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends." And usually, mm. that's where you know, people that quote this a lot will usually yeah. stop right there. But but the rest of that passage is uh, Jesus says, "You are my friends if you do what I command you. <laughs> I do not I do not call you servants any longer." So it's like, yeah, we're all equals here, but you know, I'm still the, the I'm leader Jesus. of this posse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, I love the gospel. You know, yeah. wait, that's not the yeah. gospel though. That's uh, the epistles, right? No, no, that was, John, was a, the, oh, that was the gospel. John's, yeah, that was a gospel. Yeah, I love the but gospel. It's, it's the the epistles is when things go sideways on you in the yeah. in the New Testament. I find yeah. they're like like super fans. <laughs> they're like yeah, super right. fans writing right. about a band, right. you know? Like, yeah, like super Beatle fans that like instead of hearing what Paul and John actually said, you know, they're like writing about like. <laughs> What they think the the Beatles were about. They kind of ruin the Beatles for you, the super fans. They really do. Because, <laughs> yeah, okay, I just thought it was a nice song, you know? Yeah, yeah. Always telling you all the minutiae, telling you why yeah. you're wrong for thinking Ooh. how you interpreted it. Or... Yep, yep. Um, in the Middle Ages, in the Christian West, uh, friendship was subordinated to a union with God. And <laughs> so, for example, oh. St. Augustine said that all things... Even friendship were the for the sake of God. And and friends for any other reason than finding God is wrong. And what he said is that there cannot be two friends, there must be three. Two men 
and God. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm, so. Now, you know, I buy into that a little bit. I'm just saying there's a higher calling to yeah. a friendship. That it's I, not I just to serve each other's interest, that there's sort of a... Right. I don't know. There's a je ne sais quoi to... Uh, to a friendship, you know, that you feel right. like it, there's a betterment happening. Right. Uh, something within, beyond yourself or something. Yes. Yes. There's something yeah. that makes me feel like a, I'm a better, I'm a better person because I'm your friend. Yeah. See, and I that, see and that this us as... being friends maybe makes us, it ricochets out into the world somehow. That's a nice that, that, way to see it. You know what I mean? That somehow. Yeah. You know, I mean, on a like on a very limited way, like I may get off a call with you and feel good. And now I'm not going right. to cut that guy off on the on the 405. Yeah. But if he cuts like me it. off, fuck him. I'm going <laughs> to lay on my horn. See, I always thought about like it was like, hey, John, you want to come over and watch the game this weekend with me? Yeah. Who's going to be there? It's going to well, it's going to be me and God. <laughs> you, you be a God. Yeah. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Come on, it's just why God's a Packers fan, man. Watch out. He's yeah. gonna, he's gonna uh, he gets a little mouthy. I um, we uh my son saw a piece of footage that your wife took of you and me after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and he can't stop yeah. talking about it. He's never seen me like that. Really? He's never seen that many emotions go through me. Yeah. And then see me so happy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, just imagine, imagine if, if God was there with us. I think God up was and down. there. That God was there. <laughs> jumping up and down. Oh, my God. <laughs> hugging it. If we can find that uh, footage, we should put it on the, uh, yeah. on the, we'll put it on the site. Yeah, we'll put for, it up. For this we'll episode. Because I think that is a demonstration of our friendship. Yeah. Unbridled. A, my wife says it was like unbridled happiness, joy. Yeah, between we were the just two of us. so. It, it, yeah, yeah, it was beyond. It was the. It was level ten. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, I, ironically, when I was going through this uh, in the Middle Ages, the the Orthodox Christian Church became uh, suspicious of groups of friends who would gather around a religious leader. <laughs> so, mm. Given their, mm-hmm. given their the history of the Christian Church, you would think that like, yeah, maybe it's. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they should have taken that a little further. It, it, that that kind of dwindled away. Those the guru, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Things can go south uh, real quick. Uh, so anyway, um, what you probably noticed, and, and it was kind of set up this way, was that a lot of the quotes that we've been talking about have all been about friendship between men, about yes. males, about yes. like you know between two men and God, yeah, and. And that's because the writers at that time were men. And, you know, not surprisingly at that time, uh, they felt that true friendship, that good friendship between virtuous people could only be between men. And in fact, for the last 3000 years, uh, most people, meaning men, felt that women were incapable of true friendship. Wow. And it wasn't until... Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't until, you know, about 200 years ago, probably with the uh, Jane Austen. uh, But until Jane Austen, probably most literature portrayed women as treacherous. Uh, They were thought to be, you know, weaker, shallow. Uh, They were subject to rivalries and jealousies. And 
and again, if you think back to Aristotle, who said like, well, you have to have morally good people. So it was kind of that idea of like, well, they're not capable of friendship, mm -hmm. real friendship. Mm -hmm. And and even the term gossip, for example, used to be a term back in the 15th or 16th century for a woman friend. Hmm. It had no negative connotations to it. But over time, that idea was like a gossip, a friend. It became mm. like kind of a negative. You're talking bad about somebody with. It's so interesting because women, mm. and, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, have been at tests so much higher in terms of social IQ and the ability to yeah. Yeah. Uh, socialize. I mean, like I have a memory when my kids were really young, when I walked by my daughter's room and, and she was like four, I think, or five. And all of the girls were sitting down in her room in a circle, <laughs> you yeah. know, exchanging ideas and talking. And then I went by my son's room and the mattress was pulled off and there was like excrement yeah. on yeah. the wall. I mean, it was like insanity. <laughs> and I remember yeah. thinking, it's so funny that the, this fear that men have had to try to extinguish the fact that they are the, uh, I mean, you know, it, it, yeah, you know, smarter. No, I mean, or at least in that it, it, a higher IQ in in terms of of that by fall. I mean, it's it's right. It's scientific. It's proven. Yeah. Well, it was just again. It was like most writers at that time, or most theologians at that time, hmm. were men. And so again, hmm. it was like, or most philosophers. So you're going back. They were based on the Greeks, and so of course they would argue that uh, only men are capable of that that true mm -hmm. friendship. Mm -hmm. um, but even in the Bible, you know, we have like Sarah, the mother of Isaac and Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, <clears throat> who were seen as rivals for Abraham's attention. So it's like even in the Bible, most of the, the female relationships in the Bible are also these kind of treacherous backstabbing rivalries. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a few a few examples for like uh, Mary, um, uh, Jesus' mother, who went to stay with a, a relative, Elizabeth, I think it was, who they had kind of a, a friendly relationship there. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's like, you know, if you're talking about like the Bechdel test or <laughs> something, it's like right. it, most of the literature back then didn't have two women. If there was a woman in literature, it was usually like a, as a woman, uh, you know, being yeah. treacherous in some way. Bathsheba. And <clears throat> uh, yeah, there's famous, famous, famous examples from the Old right. Testament. Yeah, and and even Plutarch again said that a oh wife boy. should not. Here <laughs> should he comes. No, sometimes you know Plutarch. Some things Plutarch say, I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And then every once in a while, I'll come out with a zinger, and you'll be like, oh, no, oh, Plutarch, Plutarch, come on. And and so this one, he said that a wife should not have friends of her own, but should share those of her husband. Oh, <laughs> again, God. it was like, you know what? I'm not going to call him Plutarch anymore. I'm going to call him Plutarch. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's just like every it's once in a while you're like, hey, that's, yeah, it's like every once in a while it's, it's like, hey, that's that makes some sense. And then it's like, oh, no, man, come yeah. on. Uh, so for much of the you know past 3000 years, a woman's circle of friends was mostly her family members or her neighbors. Mm -hmm. And it was only if she went to a monastery, for example, mm -hmm. or a convent uh, where she could make friends outside of her close family. circle of friends yeah, or, or family circle. yeah yeah like because you would just be forced together these women were forced together right in, right in and you couldn't go out and yeah it really you wouldn't go anywhere to meet new people outside your, right. your neighbors or your family and uh what was interesting is that women in convents were expected to read and write at least latin 
possibly read and write in, in the vernacular as well. I didn't know and, that. Uh, and so it wasn't until the Middle Ages when women in convents started writing memoirs or writing letters or writing, you know, essays, religious essays, that we began to have a written uh, record of women's actual friendships, Amazing. of their intimate relationships with other other women. And so then we have people like Hildegard of, of Bingen, who was a Benedictine uh, nun who later became a, a saint. She wrote lots of letters to both men and women. We get to see her friendships. Uh, we had the Blue Stockings in uh, England in the 1750s, who were like a group of women who would get together and discuss philosophy and literature. And then here in America, we also had Abigail Adams and Mercy Otis Warren, who right about the time of the uh, American Revolution started writing letters back and forth, and they were talking about, you know, you got to see their friendship, and they'd exchange ideas and debate the revolution. Um, but even still, relatively late, up until like the 1870s, wow. uh, the Saturday Review, which was a, a magazine in London, was still questioning if friendship among women was possible. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. So, yeah. And if you think that's bad, Jesus. Uh, in 1960, C.S. Mm. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, wrote a book called The Four Loves. And in The Four Loves, he again brings it up that he thought that it wasn't possible for men and women to have uh, friendships. Platonic together. friendships. Right. Because he said, well, and, and it's it's not for anything to do with sexuality or any sex or anything. But he said, well, women, men had to have more serious educations and more serious mm. professions. And therefore mm. women just couldn't carry on conversations with them. Jesus. And yeah. I, and know, if you... It's so funny. Cause I worked with a, a producing partner for years. That was a woman. And the two of us yeah. always, always people assume that we were a couple and, yeah. and we weren't. And, and it was such an amazing experience because we would be in all of these meetings and they would look at me. The men would look at yeah. me. And she was yeah. really the one in charge of the operation. She was the brains of our <laughs> yeah, partnership. Yeah. And yeah. so I would take my eyes and take their eyes and kind of bring them back to her <laughs> so that they would yeah. like trying to let them know that, hey, don't be looking at me for the answers. Right. Um, but it was such an interesting, it was almost like being undercover and seeing what it's like to be a woman in a man's yeah. world a little bit. I got a little glimpse of it and it, it's not yeah. pretty. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, if you read that book, but it, I'm not sure about C.S. Lewis. I'm not really a big fan of Narnia myself. Yeah. Which, which one's <laughs> Narnia? What happens in Narnia? It's, there's a, there's a, uh, a lion. Is yeah. The witch wardrobe? in the wardrobe. Yeah. Lion yeah. The witch. All I remember out of that is Turkish delight. Remember the ice queen or whatever. Yes. One of the yes. guys. Turkish delight. I tried, to, I, off with her. I tried to read it to Jules when she was younger and she was, she was bored silly. She was like, <laughs> what's a wardrobe? And that was it. Yeah. That's as far as we go. Yeah. C.S. Lewis. I mean, there's, there's a lot of religious uh, mm -hmm. symbolism in his work more so mm -hmm. than like Lord of the Rings or something. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but you read like the four love. It, it's just a work of mansplaining. Like, wow. like even I'm like, I'm just oh, like, boy. okay, enough CS. Enough. Yeah. Just enough. Yeah. Stop blowing away on that. You know? Oh, Jesus. He had um, bat wings constantly yeah. spreading his legs <laughs> apart. So in, uh, 
but what happened is in the late 1700s, early 1800s, uh, you had the romantic movement and the romantic movement and literature started to talk about where people revealed their feelings mm. and you, and you got more kind of like the intimate in, innermost thoughts of, of people. Mm. And, and that's really when in the 1800s, when friendship started to go more, people kind of equated that women were more c- capable of those kind of innermost thoughts. Yes. And that, that emotion. And that's where friendship kind of became more feminine. In other mm-hmm. words, that like people started wow. to think that maybe women were possible. Uh, women so are were you headed ones. down a path to tell me the reason I don't have a lot of friends <laughs> is because of cultural change? Yeah, I think so. Wow. I think so. God damn. Sorry, I didn't mean I to jump that, ahead. No, no. But, but I'm beginning I, to I see where you're headed. It's not it's, my it's fault pretty... that I don't have any friends. <laughs> you're, you're out of time. Uh, 400 years ago, you would have been really popular. Here comes Poo-Tark. He'll be our friend. <laughs> I, I, should, I, I just want to mention a quick aside here. It, there was something in the late 1800s, uh, like middle to the late 1800s, where men in this country, and also England, but, but in this country as well, where young men had romantic friendships. And it's not talking about being sexual. It wasn't anything like that. But they would have special friends that they could have, that they could share their innermost thoughts with. And and it was usually like a congenial spirit. Uh, it could be, you know, tender. It could be uh, intense. But it was just a, like a, a kindred spirit that you had. And usually men would have it only, young men would have it when they went to like boarding school Okay. Or when they first when they uh-huh. first started a job, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh. but it's you know there's you have a lot of letters between men at that time, uh-huh. and for example, Daniel Webster and James Herbie Bingham had a really intense friendship, and they would like talk to each other, but they'd also talk about women as well. So again, it mm. wasn't really like a, a, a romantic. Thing. Huh. Sexual relationship. Well, it, it seems like, like it was romantic, but not sexual. Is that right? Is that a way exactly. of looking at it? Interesting. Yeah, because, because they would write to each other like, hey, dearly beloved, or my lovely boy, you know, hmm. and really kind of sh- share innermost feelings. But yeah. again, it was something that you, by by the time you, like, we haven't had that. It. You and I haven't had that <laughs> in, since we stopped drinking. <laughs> I haven't had an email that's been like too lovely boy. You know. <laughs> I mean, we were very romantic with a bottle of tequila. <laughs> I'd tell you all kinds of stuff as I spoiled yeah, myself. Yeah. Uh, you know who Josh Abraham Lincoln actually shared a room and a bed with a guy named Joshua Speed, like before when Lincoln had would first become an attorney. Right. And I remember a few years ago when you know, the kind of people had come out like, well, was, was Lincoln you know, gay? Was it like, and it was because they had the letters between them. Mm-hmm. And, and it was really, no, it was just, that was that kind of special relationship that mm-hmm. they had where very close. They would, sh- yeah. And they shared the same bed, but it was like back then, even if you were traveling, for example, yeah. if you went to an inn, you would have to live, you know, sleep in the same bed with some yeah. stranger, for example. Jesus. I, yeah. I hate that. I don't want to sleep with yeah. anybody anymore. I want to be, <laughs> I want my own bed somewhere else. <laughs> but, but I think, you know, in the beginning of Moby Dick, there's that scene where the narrator goes in and he has to crawl into bed with Queequeg, remember? And it's oh like, my God. 
Yes. Yeah. And so they're complete strangers, but that they're was just, just the way people did it did it back then. God, you look at you quoting Moby Dick. You're all over the place. <laughs> uh, so the idea was women would have intimate relationships through their life, but yeah. men would have intimate relationships only through their youth. Uh-huh. And then once you, again, once you got, got a real serious. job. Yes. Yeah. See, or that's you, carried on today. Once we get married and we have you know, kids or whatever, or careers, then we're serious. We're not allowed to mess around, which is true. I have a very difficult time finding socializing time. In fact, one of the reasons for this podcast is so that I have an excuse to hang out with you. (laughs) Yeah. And football's like that too. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to watch a game anyway. Yeah. So interesting. We're so messed up. Yeah, it's uh, it took a while to get here, but yeah, there's there's a whole history to this. I think how how we interpret all friendship culturally, um, and one of the things is, you know, once we got to the early 20th century, for example, uh, you had more women going to universities, you had people who were leaving home and going to cities to, to find work, for example, and leaving their families. And so it was really this kind of urbanization and dislocation. When you went to a, a city, you're away from your family. You had to create your own social circle again. And yeah, and anybody who went to college knows about like the tribe that you would form. And I'm sure there's other situations right, where right. you would kind of find like-minded people and that would become kind of your little family. Like if we were covered in fur, we'd pick knits out from each other's backs, yeah, yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really with uh as far as like female friendships it was with when women started going to colleges in like the late 1800s 1900s all women colleges like Vassar or Wellesley it, and and then you had something that you know the new woman who was like a woman with higher education a woman with her own employment mm-hmm. she lived in the city she had freedom mm-hmm. and and her friends were like her social network were like her friends from work, for example, or from Mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and even what's to me, what I find interesting is even though that's how women's friendships were in the real world. If you look at the movies from the thirties and forties, for example, uh, they were still showing women as being treacherous to one another or backstabbing Mm -hmm. to one another. So you see Mm -hmm. like all about Eve or you see like the movie, the women, so Hollywood was still using that kind of trope, I guess yes. you would call it, as of like, you know, treachery. Women were yes. treacherous. Yes. And I would say even that that's, that trope is still going on in like reality television now. Absolutely. As well. All of the wives, yeah. you know, housewives of the blah, blah, blah. All the housewives. Yeah. yeah. And the Kardashians. Yeah, it's like the mean girls who are incapable of true friendship, even though in the real world that that's (laughs) completely different. You know, Um, I guess you did have like Mary Tyler Moore had Rhoda and Mary had a pretty good relationship, I guess. That's true. But Mary had a good relationship with everybody. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, who was Mary not in? She didn't like. Uh, I guess Ted annoyed her. Yeah, but she was still friends with Ted. Yeah, she still would. Yeah, in the end. Yeah. But they seemed like friends that would just kind of talk. You know, Mary and Rhoda would just kind of talk about mm-hmm. things whenever they got together. Um, 
And you my also daughter had like is se- 17. Sorry to interrupt. My daughter's 17 yeah. and her group of friends uh, are amazing. Like they're powerhouse women. And there are men yeah. too, but th- there's a core group of women that are just like, you wouldn't believe it. So supportive, yeah. so smart, so amazing. Amazing. The future cool. is bright. The new generation, cool. the kids are all right. I'm telling you. <laughs> Gen nice. Z. That's that's good to hear. The Gen X oh. and millennials, maybe not so hmm. much. And boomers, definitely not yeah. so good. But Gen Z, I think the, <laughs> the, the, the ones that are coming up are going to be all right. Cool. Cool. Um, so even still, though, and you've kind of talked about it, uh, even now, men's friendships are described as what they say, shoulder to shoulder. Mm. Meaning that we, uh, for men, usually there it's like you're watching a sporting event. For example, mm-hmm. your friendship is shared where you're both not looking at each other, but you're looking out mm-hmm. at something yes. else. Yes, there's another um, purpose going on. We're we're right. working, we're building something, we're uh, hobby. Some there's no just connection for connection's sake. Right. I guess right. the we closest together- is like drinking buddies. But still, you you know they use that as an example. But usually, you're sitting at the bar, right? And you're both looking at yes, forward so at the TV or something like that, you know. Um, and then women's friendships are described as being face to face, meaning mm-hmm. that they're really kind of sharing the feelings or sharing some sort of ideas or like communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. And the other thing they talk about is um, for for men. Usually the ideal friend is is a comrade, someone who will do anything for you without question. Mm-hmm. Whereas yes. for for women, the ideal friendship is someone you can tell anything to. Interesting. Per, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So and, kind of and just, for that reason, men are kind of forced in this prison of their own making where they can never share their innermost thoughts. Right. I guess right. I guess the the wife is for that. I, I, but, they, but you, there's studies that have been done where, for college males, usually college males are more intimate or share more innermost feelings with a close female friend, not a mo- romantic friend, mm-hmm. but like a close female friend that they'll kind of talk about their feelings with, right? Uh, rather than a close male friend, and usually they they've actually broken it down as well where. That you know, levels of confidentiality for college males usually goes from a, a close female friend to a close male friend to your closest brother, and then to your mother, and then to your closest sister. Like there's like a hi- hierarchy who college males will, and it's mainly kind of, and it's mainly women in in right. non sexual relationships, right. So again, kind of secure, but like you're not revealing yourself in front of another man, I guess is, is what right. it would be. Because we're, we're not supposed to. Right. Um, and then probably just to, I, I know everybody always comes up with, uh, they all talked about the TV show Friends mm-hmm. and about how <laughs> Friends being the, the one show where it kind of gave an idealized version of a, a group of friends who becomes your surrogate family and mm-hmm. your, your family is there. That kind uh, of tribal so, thing, that tribal right. thing. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, God, I mean, that show was so 
fakey, you know, so I can't believe how popular it is today. <laughs> it's still popular. It's still huge. Popular. Huge. Which makes me think that people are looking for that idealized, like your friends are supporting you. They're, they people yes. want that. That's a reason yes. why that show stays so popular. Right. Of um, course. That makes sense. I know you were on an episode of Friends. I was. And I knew this was where you were headed. Uh, Did you I, learn anything about friendship when you were on there? No, I was on one episode, and I played the uh, in a flashback episode. I was um, Chandler's roommate before. <laughs> who's the other one? Joey. Before Joey came yeah. on board. So it was a flashback episode and I was like this amazing roommate who was a, you know, photographer yeah, Chandler yeah. was because I had all these models around and Chandler was like, oh my God, you're the perfect roommate. And then I can't remember yeah. what happened, but for some reason I stopped going, I stopped being roommates. Anyway, um, my, there's a couple of things I would like to point out about this one. I was in like two scenes. Okay. And yeah, in one of yeah. the scenes I had to hit 16 marks. In one scene. <laughs> There's not that like, much space out there. How is that possible? Like, Jesus Christ. So they had 16 pieces of tape on the floor and you can't oh. look at the tape. You're not allowed to look at the tape. Right? You just have to hit the t- Oh my God. So that's one thing that came away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and this is when they shot film. So the focusing had to yeah. be right on. Oh my God. What a nightmare. And yeah. the other thing was I hugged Chandler with my downstage. I was closer to the camera. I put my head closer to the camera. So like we were profile yeah. to the camera and I was, my head was closer to the camera. So you could see my <laughs> head and I blocked his head and I did it in rehearsal. And he said after me, Hey, when we do it for real, make sure your head is upstage. And I'm like thinking, that's not very dude, friendly. Every that's not friendly. I wasn't trying to get more camera time, but yeah. even if I was, Jesus Christ, you're in every goddamn episode. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> when, when they finally shot it, did you do it right? Or did you oh, still yeah. like, I'm gonna oh, yeah. I'm not going to get fired. I needed the money. Uh, and then one other thing about that episode. Afterwards, Schwimmer... And Chandler and and yeah. uh, the three guys on the show invited yeah. me out for drinks afterwards. And really? we went to Beverly Hills to this yeah. office building. It was just an office building, dark, big skyscraping. Yeah. We pushed the button in the elevator to go down to the parking garage, but it's not a parking garage. <laughs> it's a top secret <laughs> nightclub. Wow. And I, wow. I, and so here I am with the friends yeah. and I'm the fourth wheel and we walk yeah. in and it's all models. It's exactly how you'd expect it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this dance music with these yeah, yeah. gorgeous women, gorgeous. Everybody's gorgeous except me. And yeah. uh, nobody wanted to talk to me. Not one person there. <laughs> did, did you Not like one person was friendly. Try to stay with the other three. Oh, yeah. I hugged onto them. I was in their hip pocket. But as soon as we got there, it was every man for himself. Just like you're talking about. Men aren't friends. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And so I went back to the I went back to the elevator and wrote it back up to reality and drove home. 
but those are my <laughs> and and the final thing about that episode i've created three television shows i've done tons of stuff tons of yeah. stuff the only thing my daughter cares about is that episode of friends that's the <laughs> only thing that impresses her your daughter yeah even your daughter i could see yeah. like somebody else even your daughter no like, She's like, yeah, dad, you know, I was a Geico came in. No, mm -mm, nothing, <laughs> nothing but that episode. <laughs> I didn't well, learn John, anything about I, friendship on it. I didn't learn. I've maybe learned you much did. more. Maybe about you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? God, you're right. Okay. Here it comes. This is where you break up with me. No, no, no. I'll cut I, my finger off. No, I would say, uh, you know, working on this this episode and looking at Aristotle, I would say that yeah, we haven't been virtuous a lot a lot of our friendship in no. the early days. No, virtue wasn't one of our our uh, strengths, prime concerns. Uh, no, mm -mm. yeah, but I do feel like you know there are certain elements that we like reciprocity. Yes. Like I feel like like mm -hmm. I care about you. Mm -hmm. You care about me. Same here. Well wishing, Unoya. I feel yes. I, I won't, I'm happy I, won't for, I want you to be happy and yes agreed agreed yeah what can, yeah. what should we do to improve moving forward I, like what what do you well, need me, from me well let me just i i do <laughs> i'm aware of our friendship <laughs> i'm aware we're friends like Good. i don't feel like i'm being friends with you and you've already moved on somewhere <laughs> yeah that's yeah. Yeah, true mm -hmm. um so we got that and, and, and I, you know, I, I'm not sure if I would call you another me, for example. <laughs> I don't know if you call me another you. No, but, no, but I you're, do. you're the brains of the opera of the friendship. I no, think. no. Yes, I do. I'm just more, let's see, I'm trying to think, what do I bring? <laughs> Wait a minute here. I don't think I bring very much. No, uh, I, think, I think, I think you bring, like I said, I've, for the, the, Parts of my life that have been bad, but you've been there for the good parts of my life, but you've also been there for the bad parts of my Absolutely. life. Absolutely. I have been there for some terrible shit. Right. And we've always been, we've done shows together. We've had times mm -hmm. where we've, we've gotten angry with each other, but we've we buried all our parents together. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And lots yet of bad still... relationships, girlfriends, <laughs> lots of those. Oh my God, you've had some bad ones. <laughs> and I I've was nice to all of them. <laughs> I've had some bad ones. You finally got married. Finally. Oh, Thank God but for yeah. Mary. She makes so my I job being your friend a lot easier, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'd still like a letter where you call a lovely boy. <laughs> By the way. Okay. Turn on. I can the, do that. Turn, I can do send that. me an email. Send me an email. All right. Uh, so I think we're okay. But all I can say is, man, if if we ever get to, have you ever had to break up with a, a friendship? <laughs> How did you do it before? I did have to break up with one friendship. Uh, most of them just kind of fade away. But I had a dramatic one uh, after I got sober. I went to a friend that I had to kind of make things right. And, yeah. uh, and so I made things right. And at the end I said, uh, is there, what can I do? You know, what can I, 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 yeah. I, I admitted all my wrongs. And then I, I asked him, what can I do, uh, to make this right? And he said, don't ever talk to me again. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. He did yeah. a, he did a banshee. He did yeah. a banshee on you. He absolutely did. And it was pretty dramatic and, and we've never spoken again. Wow. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. It was harsh. It was really harsh. Uh, yeah. I don't know how. 
Yeah, I'm usually the type that I'd like it to just fade away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, hopefully it just fades away. Yeah, but yeah, nothing but if dramatic. Necessary, I, I'd be the type of person that would like completely move away, you know, move yeah. to another city or something. <laughs> um, but I don't Wait, know. I is that why in... you moved out of LA? Because no, of me? You moved no, 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 no. No, okay. I knew you would go there. I knew you would go there. And I, <laughs> okay. Once I started saying it, I was like, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, it you're does so, take you're a so huge sensitive. frontal lobe to negotiate all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. No wonder our yeah. heads are so big. God, we've made a prison of our own making, haven't we? Evolution has just made us into these big-headed things to yeah, take care of yeah. what? Of what? Just because, so we can all, yeah. like, get along? Get along? Yeah, it's I don't know working. if we get along that way. We yeah. need bigger brains. <laughs> just this gigantic, enormous... <laughs> like those Star Trek creatures, you know, that have those yeah. huge brains? We need those. Yeah. Well, um, All right, John. All right. I love you, and uh, I'm glad we did this. I've learned a lot about yeah. friendship. You too. And uh, again, when the time comes, don't banshee me, bro. I won't. I won't. But I am. <laughs> I got to say something. I just said I love you, and there was no re- reciprocity. Oh, uh, reciprocity. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, of, of course. course what? <laughs> you know. What? Will you? I know what. I love you. <laughs> no i love you it, it's like i say oldest and dearest friend i do feel you're another me you're you are another me we when, are brothers whenever, yeah, somehow whenever we go out i feel like i'm going out by myself <laughs> <laughs> so anyway oh my god all That's right. it for now. That's it. Uh, this has been human number two. And this is human number one. Thanks for joining us. And we will see you further down the road of self-discovery. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Love you, John. Love you. Bye, everybody. Bye.